Uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to be bringing the uh, final installment on a series of messages I've been preaching on called Proclaiming the Good News. Uh, our text has been Mark the 16th chapter. This is Jesus just before he goes into heaven. He looks at his disciples and he gives them this final command. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Now, I've really enjoyed uh, this series because it's been so much fun to look at the scriptures and to see what that meant for them. What Christianity so much has become now is that the proclaiming of the good news has just been about telling people. Now, that's important without question. I do not dismiss that in any way, shape, or form. You've got to tell people. If you can't share with people about Christ, they'll never be able to come to Christ. But that's not all of it. Preaching the good news is not about getting someone in a corner and giving them a track and convincing them they're going to hell and they need to repent and all that kind of stuff. This is not what they did in the scriptures. As we've been going through this, we have seen that the gospel of Christ was spread by causing people to have an encounter with God. They would experience God. Miracles would happen. Of course, when Jesus went around splashing everywhere, miracles everywhere, but it didn't end with him. He told them, you go and start doing everything I just did. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to empower you. And we've been reading in the New Testament how the disciples went out and did the same thing Jesus did. Went around praying for people and seeing God do miracles. And it got people's attention. This is how Christianity spread throughout the world so quickly. Not because we're so much smarter than everybody else. Not that we have just a better argument than everyone else. And we do. But that's not what it's about. People were experiencing God. And we have learned that God wants to reveal himself to people. And he likes to make himself real to people in miracles. And he does it. And we've seen all kinds of miracles. We've seen big Hoshimama, incredible, incredible miracles. And then simple little miracles like just somebody knowing something about somebody that he, there's no way they could have known it except God let them know it. Now, we have been encouraging people. As you live out your faith out there in the real world, okay? This is just church where we really got to live this stuff. is out there. It's easy to live Christianity in here, praising the Lord with the cool band and everything. But it's another thing to live it out there. And that's where we've got to do it. That's where the gospel of Christ is being proclaimed. And I've been encouraging you to pray for people. Expect God to move in people's lives because when you start really ministering to people and, and, and let them know you're praying for them. I mean, if you pray for somebody and God changes their circumstances and they never knew you prayed, they just think it's the circumstance. You know, cool. You know, things got better. Let them know you're praying for them. Pray with them right on the spot if you can. But let people know that there's a God in heaven who really loves them. And let me encourage you, don't get caught into the trap of prayer where it all becomes about you. Now, we all do this from time to time, where eventually our prayer life is pretty much, God, help me with this, and help me with that, and help my with that, and give us this, and pay for that, and we need this, and me, 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 my, 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 it's all about me, and you start getting into that kind of place, suddenly you will find that your prayer life will go stagnant, and all of a sudden, it's like you're not getting answers to prayer anymore. Say, what's wrong with that? Is that you have become a stagnant pool. You know what happens to a a body of water that has an inlet pouring into it but it has no outlet? It becomes stagnant. These are the pools that are all green and scuzzy and things are creepy crawly and dead things in there and stuff. Why? Because there's no outlet. You've got to have the outlet. 
A healthy lake has water coming in and has water coming out somewhere. Because there's a flow going. You need a flow. If you just are always praying about me, 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 me. You will find that things will start to get dry and pretty soon you will be struggling. How come I'm not getting more answers to prayer? Here's the suggestion. Quit praying about you all the time. Okay? Start praying for other people. Start asking, and I'll tell you what, I'll challenge you. You start really praying that God starts moving in people's lives around you. Watch what happens in your own life. God will start answering your prayers. God will start moving. Why? Because now you're doing what he wants you to do. This isn't supposed to be just about me. If we become, Christianity was never designed to be the self-centered thing all about me. We've got to pray for other people. Focus outward, not just inward. It's okay to pray for your needs. But don't just be caught up in me, 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 help me, Jesus. All right? Because you will find, after a while, that doesn't start to work anymore. And I believe that's God's way of saying, hello, you wake up, spill it outward. And I, one of the things that I really loved about this uh, series is, uh, is the fact that you can even pray for God to reveal himself to people who don't believe in God. I thought this was a fun part for me. I love the fact that Jesus would pray for people who didn't ask to be prayed for. And then the disciples did the same thing. They would come up and pray for people who never asked. They didn't, you know, leave me alone. And they prayed for them and God would heal them, do a miracle or something. Very, very cool. I love that. You know, Christianity is unlike any other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world, you've got to go to their classes and you've got to think like they think and you've got to learn their prayers and you've got to do the meditations and the chants and the whatever it is. And then hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you can experience God. That's their hope. Christianity starts out, boom, you can be dumb as a brick and God will show up. You don't have to know nothing about nothing. And God, God will do a miracle even in a person who doesn't believe in God. How cool is that? You know, because God just loves showing up. But we have to be bold and pray and go out and splash the kingdom of God around into people's lives. So the spreading of the gospel, if you look at the scriptures, the idea of spreading the gospel without miracles is actually a bizarre form of Christianity. You don't see it in the Bible. But yeah, this is what Christianity has been boiled down to for, goodness, the last hundred years in this country and in the world. It's all about just tell people, just tell people. And again, it's important to tell people. I'm not dismissing that. But it can't be just about telling people. It's not about an argument. It's not about a debate. It's about a God in heaven who is real and he is here and he will touch your life. Let me pray for you. Let's see what God does in your circumstances. Now, in this final lesson on the series, I want to point out to you an often overlooked type of miracle. Now, they're not particularly dramatic miracles. In fact, they're so simplistic that oftentimes you wouldn't think of them as miracles at all. But you need to know something. When somebody's really hurting, when someone is really in great pain, Sometimes the smallest thing can be a dramatic miracle to them. I've shared the story with you before of how uh, my mother and father uh, got married in, in New York from Puerto Rico. Uh, they had us three boys right away, boom, boom, boom. And, uh, but then my parents wound up getting divorced. 
uh, because they couldn't agree. My father wanted to have girlfriends and my mother couldn't agree. (laughs) Kind of a communication thing going on there, you know. And she wouldn't tolerate it. She shouldn't have to tolerate it. She kicked him out. But you know how difficult this can be, even in 2009, for a woman to be raising three boys by herself in this present age. But you can imagine what it was like in 1958, miles away from her family and support structure. New York City, three boys who are hungry, no job, completely desperate. She became very depressed, as you can imagine. And at one point, she couldn't take it anymore. The boys were crying. She had nothing to give them. She made the decision to take her life and to take us with her. And the modus operandi at the time of people who committed suicide was to turn on the gas in the house. Everybody had gas stoves and stuff back then. And um, she decided that's what she was going to do. And the gas fills up, everybody falls asleep, and you basically wake up dead. And my mother uh, took uh, towels and she got them wet and she sealed up the cracks in the doors and in the windows and was ready to go and turn on the gas when suddenly one of us boys, I, I don't remember which one of us it was, came walking up to my mother with a can of clam chowder that they had found somewhere. Now, she has no idea where we found it. We're one, two, three years old. I'm not sure we knew what was even going on. All of a sudden, one of the boys comes and says, and hands her a can of clam chowder. Now, I want you to know something. That can of clam chowder was a miracle for us. I owe my life today. I'm here today because of the grace of God and clam chowder. I still like clam chowder, by the way. Yes, praise God for clam chowder. Now, to a cynic, well, that was nothing. No, no, no. That can of clam chowder was a miracle for us. Oftentimes, the smallest thing can seem like the biggest miracle to someone who is in great need. And that is why the God who wants to reveal himself to people, the God who wants to perform miracles in people's lives, teaches us as believers that we must show kindness to people in need. He wants to use you and me to perform little miracles in people's lives all the time. Jesus taught us on the need of showing kindness. In Luke, the 10th chapter, verse 25, we read this story it says on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus kind of a smart aleck guy he says hey teacher uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life Jesus looked at him and said well what's written in the law what does the Bible say how do you read it he said well you know clearly the most important command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul Uh, with all your strength and with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the most important commandment. And Jesus said, you're right. If you do this, you will live. 
Well, the guy had a bit of a problem with that because, you know, it's easy to say you love God. You know, oh, it's not really love God. I mean, how do you judge that? You can't really see that in people's lives. But the tricky part was the love your neighbor part. You know, that's, that's kind of, because some people are kind of creepy, icky people around us. And it's, some people are just unlovable. You know what I'm talking about? It's easy to love really sweet people like me. But uh, there's, there's people, it's hard to love them. You know, especially if they come from the wrong side of the tracks or they're, they're uh, you know, the wrong echo, echo, economic circumstances, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe they're the wrong color or they're the wrong creed. And then, ooh, you know, that's surely God doesn't mean for us to reach out to those people. So the guy, kind of uncomfortable with the answer, he said, well, he wanted to justify himself. And uh, he said, well, who, who is my neighbor, really? I mean, come on. Jesus gave him this reply. He says, you know, there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. And they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, you can imagine what this was like for that man. He is beaten half to death. He cannot help himself. He's been taken. Everything's been taken from him. He's in great pain and the very life source of his body is slowly pouring out onto the street I'm sure this man felt extremely intensely desperate and if he's like most people in a circumstance like that he began to pray God help me if someone would just now we're not talking highways and byways here these in the middle of who knows where pray God please send somebody to help me. He needed a miracle. For him, a miracle would have been just one person coming up and helping him. Well, it just so happened that a priest came down the road, a very religious man, very nice pastor guy. And when he saw this guy, he went, ooh, 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 icky caca, ooh, ooh, ooh. He's all beat up, and, you know, he's probably drunk, he's probably a hippie or something, you know, who knows, you know. And he, and he went away. Didn't want to take the time to help the guy. He passed on the other side. Then Jesus said, another guy, Levite, very religious man, very religious. You know. Goes to two, three Bible studies every week. Watches Pastor Mark on TV. You know, very, very religious man. And he comes along and he sees this guy and he goes, oh, goodness gracious, I'm late for my Bible study. I really, I can't mess with that guy. I, I, I got to go love God somewhere, you know. And he passed by the other side. But then a Samaritan. Now this is significant that Jesus would call the man a Samaritan in his parable. Because the Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans were the scumbags of life to these people. They were the half-breeds of the Jewish nation. They thought, looked down on them. They despised them. You talk about racism. And they did not like Samaritans. Had nothing to do with them. Thought very lowly of them. And suddenly Jesus says, after these two very religious, upstanding people came by and ignored this, suddenly comes this Samaritan. And he came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now you can imagine the horror to this man laying there bleeding to death. And a guy comes 
And this is an answer to my prayer. It's an answer to my prayer. And, and, and he walks by. In desperation, he prays and he's crying open. And finally, here comes another person. Thank God. God has sent someone to help me. And the guy just stares at him and, and just walks by. Can you imagine the horror for this man bleeding to death? Finally, this Samaritan stops. He comes up to the guy. and He took pity on him. This was a miracle to this man who was in pain. The Samaritan came to the guy and he bandaged his wounds, Jesus said. And he poured oil and wine and, and he put the man on his own donkey. That means the guy inconvenienced himself. Now the man is walking He took the guy to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, look after him and and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. I'll pay for everything. Take care of this guy. I want you to know, to this man, this was a dramatic miracle. Jesus looked at this guy who had asked him the question and said, well... Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. God takes this stuff very seriously. Don't get so caught up in your life that you forget to help people in need around you. Let me show you how seriously he takes this. In Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus starts talking about Judgment Day. The day we shall all stand before Almighty God. Jesus says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, with all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. He'll he'll put the sheep on his right side and the goats on his left and then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat you see when you're really hungry and suddenly you get something to eat that's a that's a miracle to that hungry person I was thirsty And he gave me something to drink. Why is that important? Because that, to a thirsty person, is a miracle. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Nobody else would talk to me. Nobody else was nice to me. People ignored me wherever I went. You were the first person that ever came up to me and tried to be my friend. Why is that important? Because of that person, that is a miracle. By the way, be nice to people. Look around for people that maybe everybody else ignores. Look for those who are quietly standing there. Be a friend to people. You see somebody in church you've never seen before. Go introduce yourself to them. You don't know, but but that little act of kindness would be a miracle to that person. And let me talk to you 
teenagers and kids in school. For heaven's sakes, be nice to the kids nobody else wants to be nice to. You all know who they are. These are the kids they all make fun of. This is the dorky kids. This is the girl who dresses funny and maybe isn't very attractive and the other kids make fun of her. Why don't you be nice to them? And for God's sake, don't you dare get caught up in that behavior. You're a child of God. How about you invite one of those kids to sit with you at lunch that nobody wants to be around? Because to that, for them, that would be a, a miracle. You know, it's interesting. You read about these kids that go psycho crazy and come to school with guns and blow people away. And It's interesting to read what they say about them later. And They'll say things like, you know, they, they were rejected by the other kids around them. Maybe people made fun of them. The tough guys in school always picked on them and something snapped inside of them and they went nuts and struck out violently and killed people around them. I often think, man, where were the Christian kids? What if some Christian kid would have reached out to them and talked to them? Maybe some Christian kid would have been the friend to that kid. You say, well, that's no big deal. No, no, no. To that guy, it would have been a miracle. And I'll tell you who else it would have been a miracle. It would have been a miracle to that mom who lost her son that day that got shot. It would have been a miracle to that kid who's lying in his school classroom bleeding to death. A simple act of kindness would have been a miracle. They may never have seen that miracle, but trust me, it would have been a big miracle. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes. and You clothed me. I, I was sick. You took care of me. I was in prison. Nobody wanted anything to do with me. Everybody had abandoned me because I had failed so much. But you, you came and you visited me. And I'm telling you, to that person, that is a miracle. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, what, when, when did we see you hungry and and feed you or thirsty or give you anything to drink. When, when did we see you as a stranger invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers of mine, you did for me. Then check it out. Then he's going to talk to the goat category. And he'll say to those on his left, depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And they are going to be shocked and they're going to be stunned. And they're going to go, why? Why are we going to hell? Why are you sending us to hell? What did we do? And Jesus is going to look at him and said, I was hungry. You didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, lonely. You didn't invite me in. I needed clothes. You didn't clothe me. I was sick. I was in prison. You didn't look after me. And in their horror, they're going to look at him and say, Lord, when? 
When did we do this to you? When, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or sick and in prison? When, when did we do this? And he's going to say, I'll tell you the truth. Whenever you did not do that for the least of these, you didn't do it for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous to eternal life. Paul writes about this in the Galatians. Letter to the Galatians. He writes, he says, therefore, guys, he says, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people. Why? Why should you be good to people today? Why should you be nice to people today? Because you're the only Jesus some of these people will ever see. You might be the closest chance for a miracle some of these people will ever get. Even if it's just a can of clam chowder. Let us be good to all people, especially... To those who belong to the family of believers. I was communicating with Pastor Lathan this week. I, we're going we're gonna to really reevaluate and, and, and change the way that we're doing some things. We're going to make a much bigger, bigger emphasis this next year on missions and reaching out to help people. You know when we have that one Sunday a month, first Sunday of the month for missions and to raise some extra funds... Because when we help somebody overseas to have a bowl of rice, that's a miracle to that person. But we also need to be able to raise money and give it to the local food pantry. Because to those people, it's a miracle. We should be raising money and giving money to the Catholic group that houses the homeless. Why? Because to those people, that is a miracle. And we've got to find us, and we're going to work on this. And I want this in place by the first of the year. We've got to find a way, even if it's the simplest little bulletin board we can find. But it says, especially to those of the household of faith, especially to believers. We've got to figure out how to meet each other's needs in the kingdom of God and in Celebration Church. It starts here. If we'll live it here, then we can splash it out there. It's rather inconsistent for us to send money off to Zimbabwe somewhere when we're ignoring needs in our own congregation. We need to do both. It wouldn't be a surprise to me at all today if somebody out there is in desperate need of $100. To you, $100 today would be a miracle. I promise you, there's lots of us here who could cut you a check for $100. It wouldn't mean anything to us. But we don't know. How can we learn of people's needs and meet those needs? This is the system we need to come up with. Some single mom might have had a refrigerator break on her this last week and feel frustrated. Some of you got two or three extra refrigerators in your basement. It would mean nothing to say, hey, let me bring over this one to you. We need to get this right. We need to focus on these things and meet each other's needs and help people and then start splashing it out there. Because I'm telling you, as simplistic as these things are, to people in need... This is a big miracle. I'm going to ask our ushers to come and our musicians and get ready to serve communion this morning. I'm sure these religious people in the story Jesus told had every good intention in the world. 
they were religious people. Goodness gracious, they were holy people. They were involved in all kinds of religious activities. They never missed a church service, but they walked by this man desperately in need. And part of your prayer life this week is say, God, open my eyes. Help me to see people who are in need. Help me not to be like the people in that story. Help me to be the good Samaritan. Help me to be the guy that walks by and he notices something. Someone's hurting. Someone's in pain. Someone's in desperate need. Use me to touch people with miracles. As we take communion this morning, just use this time to kind of reevaluate where you're at in all of this stuff. And say, Lord, help me to be not so focused inward. Help me to look outward. Help me to be willing to love people and help people in whatever ways that I can. Let's all bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning. Maybe you're here this morning in a celebration campus and you're going, wow, you know, it's all kind of new to me. Maybe maybe you've never really even experienced God in your life. We're going to pray a prayer together. And I'm going to encourage you all to pray this prayer with us. Ask God into your life. You can start experiencing this God who desperately wants to do miracles in your life. True Christianity is not just about some religious exercise. It's about experiencing God. Have you experienced God? Are you experiencing God in your life? If you're not, we're going to pray a prayer together. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And if you really believe this from the bottom of your heart, you can start to experience God's grace and miracle power in your life. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much. You went to the cross. And took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life. And to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender to you. Amen.